Good morning, church. First day of the new year. We got a whole near year ahead of us. I know even um, starting out another year, I have to reiterate what Pastor Tyler was saying. You know, we live in, in strange times. You know, I'm, I even uh, setting up for this Christmas party. My wife was saying, well, I didn't even know we would really have another Christmas party this year, the way things were going. You know, we sang that song, this is the year that he may appear. And he could, because there's so many things happening. You know, there's so many things happening and our eyes are on that. And he does say that when you begin to see these things, look up because your redemption draws nigh. And that is our, um, it's the glorious hope of, of the church is to be um, raptured into his presence because he said so in his word. And that's a doctrine that's really, really under assault in these days. People don't want to talk about that. Oh, that's just a fantasy or whatever. But it's scriptural. And he says to his church, he says, I have not appointed my church to wrath. And yet in the waiting, you, there's a lot of things that we're learning. You know, there's a lot of things that we're being crafted, we're being formed in the waiting. And um, I believe that that's what the Lord is doing in each one of us here. And uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for what you want to say to this church this morning, what you want to say to us individually. Uh, pray your word says, for he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Uh, we just pray for this morning, Lord, for your anointing upon this message that we could grow closer to you and to be uh, used in a way that would bring you glory. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, as thinking about this scripture, you know, just in study, and in the book of James, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect or complete and complete lacking nothing. So there's things that we go through in this world. There's things that we are tribulated with and we're tested with that is for the crafting of ourselves. But God has allowed those things to come into our life to test us so that we would produce the peaceable fruits that God is looking for in our lives. He's allowing these tests to come into our lives. And um, do we have faith? Do we really do have faith? And it is being tested. Our faith is being tested all the time. Do you really have faith? It's easy to have faith when everything is going smoothly. When everything is going so well, it's easy to have faith. But can we have faith when the clouds obscure the sun and it's not shining so brightly. Can we have faith when we're being assaulted uh, by the attacks of the enemy? Or can we have faith when our health is questionable? Can we have faith when, you know, what you name, you fill in the blank. You know, do we still have faith then? And the reason why we go through trials is to put that faith that we claim to the test, whether that's genuine or not. And that's the purpose of the testing. So that we would be complete and lacking nothing. You know, one of the um, letters of commendation to the Church of Philadelphia, the Church of Brotherly Love, was that because you have persevered, and perseverance is a trait that God is looking for in the church, it's a characteristic that says, can you go through tough times and still remain faithful? 
Can you uh, go through misunderstandings and still remain faithful? Can you be assaulted and still remain faithful? Can you uh, come up to the task even though it's not uh, what the flesh would want to do at that moment? The flesh would want to recess. The flesh would want to quit. The flesh would want to react in a certain way. Can you retain your faith in that? Can you retain your composure under those circumstances? Can you be perfected because of those things? Can we restrain our words that come out of our mouth? Can we restrain our attitudes that come to the surface that we didn't even know? I didn't even know that was there, but you put it into the heat of the affliction. All of a sudden this thing bubbles to the surface and you're like, wow, I didn't even know that was there. You know, we, before this, it was leading up to Christmas and was talking about the wonderment of the incarnation. That means that God became flesh and he dwelt amongst us. And we're, you know, we, we can look at Jesus and you can put him in a special category because he's Jesus. He's God's only begotten son, you know. And yet, everything he did, he did in the flesh. And every opposition against Jesus was magnified, multiplied multitudes of ways that we can't even conceive. You know, we sing that song, we'll never know how much it costs to see our sin upon the cross because he took with serious opposition and all he did was bless people. All he did was good things, but there was massive opposition against him doing what he did and yet he did it. And he did it in the flesh. In the flesh. He didn't do it like a Superman or a Marvel superhero with superpowers. He did it the same way that was conferred upon us by the power of the Holy Spirit conferred on you. He says, I was, the Holy Spirit was with you, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit so he can be in you to empower you to do exactly what I did. And that's to, you know, it, it says... Uh, lay hands on the sick and see them real. Cast out devils. Uh, raise the dead. But also, can you restrain yourself when the flesh wants to rise up and do stuff that's going to cause damage? Can you restrain yourself under those circumstances? Can you forgive an offense when somebody comes in your face and does something? Can you say, I forgive you? Because Jesus did what he did. That's what is called to live in the spirit and not in the flesh. To live in the spirit and not in the flesh. You know, what does the love of God look like? Is it just all restraints? Everything's acceptable. Everything's acceptable. You know that we have a popular thing. and um, This might... Well, Tasha was just... Pastor Tasha was just talking about this. I'm going to veer into this territory. But recently, you know, we've, we were changing laws. We we're changing established... You know, there, there's things that were established from eons ago. That we all were in agreement on what a marriage is. What is a marriage? A marriage, according to the word of God, which he was the one to establish marriage, is between a man and a woman. Are we in agreement with that? But in society, in current society right now, that says, no, we have to be more loving than that. We have to be more, we have to accept what society says is acceptable as marriage. Right? And so these things are in conflict with the church now. These things are, are crosswise to the church. And it's, it's like, whoa, this never happened before. And we went to Honolulu and we stood up for righteousness because I believe the church is what it's called. The church defined is those who have been called out from the world. We're called out from the ways of the world, the way the world does things. We are called out from the way that the world does things. And the government imposes their stuff upon society and upon the church and we're grappling with this. So like, what do we do with this now? 
Because the church is, even according to our constitution, we're supposed to have uh, no laws prohibiting the free exercise of our, of our worship of God. And yet there's going to be massive pressures coming in that area. Believe me, it's coming. We see it going on in the world. If I were to preach this unadulterated world in certain countries, I'd probably be arrested. If I were to define marriage as between a man and a woman, Canada, Europe, right now, they'll arrest you and they'll put you in prison. Because the state said, we have to accept this now. Now who's right? You know, this word, some people would say, well, we have to adhere to the law because the law, the Bible says you have to adhere to the laws. But whose law? Who's the authority? Ultimately, it's God. And if we dishonor God by following a man's law, we dishonor God. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. This, is, this is the reality of what's going to be, what we're going to be facing. And if we want sanctity within the church, if we want the power of the Holy Spirit to remain in the church, we have to fear God over man. That's where it abides. That's where God... It's, it's like we're not supposed to be like the world. We're not supposed to be doing everything. Well, everybody else is doing it, and the world does it, and we're not trying to be accepted by the world. We want to be accepted by the Lord. Amen? Amen. And that's going to cause us to step on people's toes. It's going to happen, you know? And yet, how we do it is important, too. Because the point is not to step on people's toes. It's not to cause an offense for no good reason. In fact, it says, because we knew Jesus in the flesh, it says, because he did what he did and he confers his victory upon us, it says that we should know no one after the flesh any longer. That when we look at one another, we should try to look each other as the best of what we should see each other seated in the heavenly places already. That this is completed in Christ. And even though we stumble and we screw up and we, we do this and we argue and we that, but yet our heart should be, but I want to see that. I want to see that completed picture because that's how the Lord looks at us. Amen. And it's, is that a challenge? Yes, it is a challenge. That is a challenge, man. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith is where this is going to come from. The fire of that is going to percolate those things of the flesh. And you go, whoa, whoa, I didn't even know that was there. Oh, Lord, forgive me. That situation made that percolate up in me, and I reacted in a certain way. Forgive me for that, Lord. Amen? Yeah. That's the way it's supposed to work. It doesn't always work that way, but that's what God's intention is for it, right? Because Jesus did what he did, we can do what he did. You know, I, I was thinking about this. You know, Pastor Tyler, you said something this morning, or you were touching on something. You are talking about this race. It says that we need to cast off every sin and every weight that so easily besets us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross so he despised the shame. That we're in a race, and it's not a sprint, it's more like a marathon. And one of the things that, that uh, the Bible talks about in this day, in this age, with the way the world is going right now, it says that the devil wants to wear out the saints. He wants to tax them and tax them and tax them and push and push and push and cause to we're just like, ah, and we're exhausted and we're tired. It's like, oh, how much more? And yet, if we keep our eyes fixed on the Lord, he's given us everything that we need to finish well. And we want to finish well. Amen. We want to be amongst that number. I want to be there. I want to see us there. I want to see us make it and not to be stumbled along the way. By the, it says that we're not ignorant of the devil's devices. 
that we have to be wise. We got to be wise as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. We have to realize, you know, that his, he has certain tactics that he likes to use. And he's trying to do this and trying to do this. And we don't want to jump in and grab the bait on that. We have to be more wise than that. Amen. And there's going to be more and more reasons why that's going to be tossed out there. And it's going to be very alluring. And it's like, yeah, let's go. And I have the right to be this. And, you know, we went to the bait of Satan. And if I were to open up this mic, everybody could come up here and make a case for why I have the right to feel this way. Everyone up here could do it. But that's living in the flesh and not in the spirit. In the spirit, it says, yeah, that's right. But what about what Jesus did? What about what he did? And we have to lay down our rights at that point. We have to lay it down and say, okay, God. That's the way it is. You know, I was thinking about this. I don't know what made me go there, but, you know, Tyler, you're talking about a race. This is more like a, a shorter race. It's a middle distance race. But, you know, there was a time back in the day when there was a barrier on as far as the mile goes. You know, we used to run, run the mile race. And what was that barrier the, or that, that, that attaining goal was a four-minute mile? Who can, who can get below a four-minute mile? Anybody remember that or anybody who's into racing probably knows this, right? And that was almost like the unattainable. It can't be done. Is it humanly possible? In fact, man is, we set limitations on things. And in fact, I remember, you know, before the locomotive or the, the, the man moved not too long ago, a little more than a hundred years ago, we moved at the speed of a horse at a gallop. And some people said, well, that's as much as man can endure. If you went up above 40 miles an hour, you probably couldn't breathe at that point. You know, there was scientific or thought along that level. You cannot go beyond that speed. And now we're saying, well, you cannot go beyond the speed of light. You cannot run a faster mile than, uh, you, can't, you can't break that four minute barrier because it's never been done before. There was a guy named Sir uh, Roger, uh, Roger Gilbert, who I'm sure he was knighted because he did this. He was the one who broke this barrier. Sir uh, Roger Gilbert Bannister, it's a middle distance athlete who ran the first sub four minute mile in 1952. The first one who did it. I saw the race. You can find it on the internet. It's only four minutes. You can watch it. <laughs> it's actually less than four minutes. It's three minutes and 59.4 seconds. The current record is three minutes, 43 seconds by Sefen Hassan of the Netherlands. Isn't that amazing that in 1952, this, this was considered that you cannot go beyond, you cannot drop it below that. It's, it's humanly impossible to do it. And yet he did it. Can you imagine Jesus when you ever, I, I was telling Gretchen, we watched the movie, The Passion. And I know it's a movie, but there's a scene in there where Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he's in his travail and he's, he's sitting there and he's praying and Peter's on the side sleeping and John's sleeping over there and he's just like praying. And then you see that the serpent, the devil comes up alongside and starts whispering in his ears. It can't be done. Nobody can do this. It's too much. The weight is too heavy. You can't do it. And that's where Jesus conquered sin for us before it wasn't done. Before it wasn't done, before Jesus came in the flesh, we did not have that victory, but he came and he did what was impossible to us. But with God, all things are possible. Wow. 
And he confers this victory upon us and says, I confer my righteousness upon you because I broke this barrier, which nobody else could do. Only I could do it. And he confers the victory upon us. And it says in Corinthians 5, 16, it says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. His disciples, the original, not Paul who wrote this, but his originals saw him. It says there were select few who saw him. Peter, James, and John, and and the the women, and then there was 500 people at one time who saw him. And we actually saw him ascend into the heaven and go up into a cloud. It wasn't a theory. This is, we saw this, and we knew him after the flesh. We used to have meals together. He used to get tired when he would walk from city to city. But now we thus know him no longer after the flesh because he's seated at the right hand of the Father and he confers his righteousness upon us by faith. He did the impossible. And he says, walk in such a manner. Walk in this way. Do the things that I have done. It says, there is thou no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. We line up with his spirit. We, we are all our flesh. And we're, we're wavering between two points. As long as we're alive in this world, there's going to be the struggle within our flesh. We want to do what's right. We want to do what is proper. We want to serve the Lord. But our affections or our flesh gets in the way and it messes with us. And that the Lord knows that. He says he was tempted in all, tested in all ways like we are, yet he's without sin. And he's a compassionate high priest sitting at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. He's praying on our behalf. Because I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like. And you want to make a move towards God, believe me, you will have opposition. The devil will turn up the heat. Oh, really? You really? You're going to make a commitment to the Lord in 2023? Yes. Well, let's be advised that we have opposition. But we're more than conquerors in Christ Jesus who died for us. We are more than a conqueror. He's given us his grace. He's given us his Holy Spirit. He's given us the body of Christ. He's given us intercessors. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's interceding on our behalf. I've given you my Holy Spirit who is praying on your behalf. He lives within our heart. The image of who we are. Who do we see ourselves to be? If we see ourselves as a scrub, we're probably going to act like a scrub. Bottom line. Amen? I like the saying that says, if you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Jesus says you can. Jesus says I did. Jesus says, do you believe what I did? Because if you believe what I did, you are what I say you are. It's no excuse to be making the same stupid mistakes over and over. And yet he has sympathy with us in that. That we do make sometimes the same stupid mistakes over and over. Right? But we also have to give grace to one another. Because you do it and I do it. 
We all make stupid mistakes, but we're not to regard anyone over in the flesh. We're supposed, to, we're supposed to see the best. It's like, man, I see you seated in the heaven. I see you clothed in righteousness. I see you wearing a white robe. I see you standing faultless before God the Father. Lord, help us to have that kind of vision for one another. Even when it's hard. Help us, Lord. It's hard. I can point out faults. You can point out faults in me. I know. I'm not perfect. I'll be the first one to say it, man. I'm still working on the things I'm working in. I am not perfect. I still have my flesh that I'm grappling with. But my heart's desire is, Lord, I want to be more like you. And a lot of times it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant when that takes place. Because there's a refinement that comes in and a fire that comes in. It's like, oh, this is hot. (laughs) Right? You know how you refine gold. You got to put it in the furnace, put it in a crucible, put it in a, in this little uh, cup. I don't know what it's made out of, maybe stone or something, a crucible or ceramic and put it in a blast furnace and turn up the heat. I don't know what the temperature is until the thing is molten. And then you throw some flux in there, some powders and all the, the dross, all the rubbish bubbles to the surface and you throw that in and you get a scoop and you scoop it off the side. And how do you know when it's done? When the person who's refining it looks down and he can see his reflection in that gold. When people can see the face of Jesus in us, we're getting closer in the process. It's interesting here in this earth that when you see gold, it's 99.9% pure. This side of heaven, there's going to be imperfections. This side of heaven, we're going to screw up. This side, eternal side of, of heaven, the gold is so pure you can see through it. It's transparent, perfected, perfected. Whom he called, he called us. Anybody here got called by the Lord? There's a point in our life where we heard that call and says, I hear the voice of the Lord. Lord, don't pass me by. Whom he called, he also justified. Justified. What does that mean? I look at you as like that purified gold, just as if you've never sinned. I looked at you. I looked at you because you are in me. And you're perfected, you're complete in Christ. We're still in process. Whom he justified, he also uh, sanctified. He set us apart from a a purpose. Set us apart. That means we're not the same person that we were. We're not what we yet want to be, but we we aren't who we were a year ago. Or we shouldn't be. We're facing another year. Are we going to allow the trials that come our way to perfect us? That we can count it joy. I was thinking, that one really stumbles me. Count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Because you know the testing of your faith is producing something. It means that God is still involved in our process. He says that if you, as a child of God, are without discipline. Or you don't have these things going on. Then you are basically illegitimate. And you're not a son. 
you know, there's some people that just seem like, man, life is just a breeze. It seems like they're just going through and, you know, there's a psalm that talks about that. And they're like, wow, man, I don't see them in pain. They got more than enough. They live in the best house. They got the best car. You know, their, their kids will give them problems and all these kind of things. And David was like, I almost stumbled, almost like, I, I, what am I doing wrong? I almost stumbled. What did I do wrong? Until I went into the house of the Lord and saw that their feet are on a set on a slippery place. Apart from relationship with God, apart from being justified from God, apart from being called by God, apart from being uh, sanctified from God, this is a pretty miserable existence. I don't care what house you live in. And especially as I look down the line, it looks like everything has an expiration date on it. Right? It's like Pastor Tyler said, I don't know how much people really pay attention to what's going on, but if you're paying attention to what's going on, this is looking really, really attractive right now. Amen. Amen. And it's not to bring fear. This is the solution. This is the antidote to fear. To be totally invested in what God has for us and to be in the process. You know, it's funny. I was watching that guy do that race. And he, it's actually interesting. I don't, it's, you can find it easily on the internet. It's actually him years later narrating the race and what was going on during this race. And he said, they show him running. And he said, that day I just felt really, really good. It was as if I didn't have any exertion in my muscles. It was just like I was just floating as he was running. And he says that he had a person in front of him. I guess they, it's like drafting in, in car racing. He had a runner in front of him that was breaking the resistance of the airflow so that he would be just in his slipstream. But then at a certain point, this other guy is making his move towards the last lap. This guy comes from the outside and he looks like, oh, he's going to overtake everybody. And then all of a sudden he does his kick right there and he starts going and he just leaves him in the, he leaves him in the wake of this thing. And he busts the four minute mile barrier. And he says, when I saw the tape of 300 yards away and I just had my eyes fixed on it and everything within him at this point, all that, you know, all that, the stress of the muscles are coming on him. And he's like, it's, it's too far, but he's, he's going, I'm going to just do, he just goes, he's, he's going to that final kick. And he says, once he hit the tape, then the exhaustion really hit him at that point. It's like, oh, and, and he knew already, he knew he broke the record at that point. I think we're at that place right now. We're at that place where we can see the goal. We can see it right there. And it's like, Lord, this is hard right now. It started off, it was all right. It was not that bad, but it's hard right now. Lord, give us the grace to finish well. To hit that tape. To do the impossible because Jesus did the impossible for us. Amen. It says this in Hebrews 5, 77 and 8. It says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplication with vehement cries, with tears to him who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. I don't preach a gospel that says, once you come to Jesus, you're never going to have any more problems. That's a false gospel. 
But he's given us the grace to go through these things and have victory through it. He's given us the strength of his Holy Spirit to be able to deal with the things that we deal with. And when we come to the end of ourselves, you know, I was listening to a pastor preach on this. And it was like, what does this mean to not know one another after the flesh? What does this mean? And he was saying that we need to get a vision of who Jesus is and what he says that we are, who he says that we are, and not look at our failings and not look at our flaws. Instead, we keep our eyes fixed on that. This is who I am in Christ. This is what it means to me to be in Christ. Because that's where the power lies. If everybody, you know, you ever heard that saying that says, give a dog a good name and it'll be a good dog. Give a dog a bad name and he'll be a bad dog, right? So if you call yourself a scrub, well, you're going to display the characteristics of a scrub. But you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm clothed in his righteousness. I have all what he says I can have. I can do what he said I can do. Then we're not playing in the mud. We're like, okay, Lord, what is this? How do I, how do I behave? How do I again attain to what you've said? How do I do the impossible when it's hard? When my lungs are burning, my legs are burning. Ah, it says this in Isaiah 40, 30. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength and shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and they shall not faint. It says that we have this treasure, this, what I'm talking about, in an earthen vessel. We know how we were created. God took a bunch of mud. When we're thinking we're all that, I remember Steve Quayle saying this. Steve Quayle says, when you think you're all that, go grab a, piece, a, a, a cup, go out in, the gra- out in the dirt over here, scoop up a, a cup of dirt and put it there. That's basically what we are. God took a bunch of mud, he crafted it, blew in it, made a living being. That's in the physical, that's who we are basically. If we have any worth, it's because the treasure that has been instilled within us. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel. It's like a jar with a light of the Holy Spirit retaining within there. That's who we are in Christ. Amen. Amen. We got to remember. We got to remember who our identity is. You know, it's another year. It's another year and we can um, shake it off like Taylor Swift. (laughs) Not that I like Taylor Swift. She's all right. It says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16, it says, Therefore, we don't lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, what is but for a moment is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know, we learned that in the book of Hebrews this week, Hebrews 11. It says, faith... um, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. For basically, God created the things that we see out of nothing. He spoke it into existence. So we're like, well, how does this work? It works by faith. It works by faith. And in closing, I want to just, since it's a new year, and it's a, we can turn the page 
on the past. You know, I said, I told Gretchen this morning, I said, so uh, happy new year. Because I went, I was in bed like at seven o'clock, man. I said, when you're a Christian, you don't drink and you don't party and whatever, whatever. It's another New Year's. This, and I don't watch that stupid show on TV. It's just ridiculous, right? And so um, listen to some of the bombs going off around us. Like Mika said, we had a ceasefire this morning. <laughs> but it's a new year. A new year. A reset. Uh, I, don't you like a reset button? A reset button? That's a great thing, man. I, I, I shared this before. I remember I used to get trouble with our pump in uh, where we live. It pumps water out of the stream. And I mean, it's a better setup now. But before, man, it was, that pump used to give me problems. And it used to give me problems at the worst time. During a massive storm, the pump would get stuck in the mud over there. And now it's not too bad where it's at. It's in a really good place. But you go down there and you all of a sudden, there, there's no water coming out of the faucet. Like, oh, now i got problems with the pump. And then it's raining hard. And the water is gushing down the stream. And it's dirty water. And i got to go swim in that stream to go pull the pump out of the mud to get it pumping again. And then did I burn the pump? And I would go up to the shack on the very top. And I would turn the thing on, and then there was a reset button underneath there. And I was like, please, God, please. And you would hit that button, you'd hear it click. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. I don't have to replace the pump. The pump survived. Hallelujah. <laughs> reset. We had a reset in Christ. Every day, His mercies are new. Every morning, great is His faithfulness. We can hit the reset. Lord, I screwed up today. But I need a reset. You know what, Jay? I knew you were going to do that. It's not even a surprise to me, but I'm glad you're here because my blood paid for that. Thank you, Amen? Amen? Hit the reset. Keep on going. Keep on going. Chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I like when we went, Mika always says that we went and baptized somebody and there was a turtle down there at um, Baldwin Beach and we're dunk them in the water. He goes, oh, they got a whole new life. <laughs> whole new life. <laughs> given us the, he's given us. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now, then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Just get right. Just get right with the Lord. For he made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us that we might mightily become the righteousness of God in him. He paid it. He did it. He did it in the flesh. And he confers it onto us. That he says, don't walk in the flesh. Walk in the spirit because that's where the victory is at. And we get a reset. Lord, I blew it today. Reset. Just pick it up and go. Don't get weary. Wait on me. Keep your eyes fixed on me. Keep your, don't look at the circumstance. Don't look at the waves. Look at me. And Peter was walking on the water. 
as he kept his eyes on the Lord. Help us, Lord, to be focused in this coming year. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.